Last week, we talked about the model we saw in Jesus' life and how he walked with the Lord. This week, we're going to look at Jesus' model that he gives us and how he walks with the world. How does he interact with the world? Kenny would go to great, like, great lengths to be able to reach people. So the question is, what length, to what degree, to what measure, how far will Jesus go to reach the world? We're going to look at John chapter 4. And the story that we see in John chapter 4, it was a real story that happened where Jesus met this woman who was in Samaria. John chapter 4, if you're taking notes, the first point we're doing, the first, first point we're going to walk through tonight is that Jesus searched for people. Jesus searched for people. You say, where does that come from? Where do you get that? John chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. This is what it says. Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he's going from Judea to Galilee, and on the way is Samaria. I'm going to show you a map real quick to kind of paint the picture of what's happening here. You've got Judea at the bottom right here. This is where Jerusalem's at. And they're making their way up this path, the main road, to go all the way to Galilee. Now, here's what's crazy. Usually, Jews and Samarians like, were not friends. There was beef between these two like, like populations. And so when a Jew would be passing through Samaria, what they would do is they would take a like a detour route that was longer, a little bit more longer, like takes more time to get there because they didn't want to go through Samaria. They made it a point that they were going to go a different route just to avoid the Samarians. And Jesus says, although it's the unpopular route, although it's more dangerous because I'm not welcome in this place, I'm still going to go to Samaria and the, the disciples have got to be thinking, why are we going through here? Like, we never go through Samaria to get to Galilee. We always go around. And Jesus says he made it a point to go through Samaria. And here's what I want you to see, first and foremost, taking notes, is that Jesus was willing to go to the hard-to-reach places, the difficult places, the unpopular places to reach people. I am a product of that. Jesus came to me. Small town, Tipton County. I lived in Drummonds. I have no idea why the Lord would choose to save me in the first place. But he took the gospel all the way out to a small town, all the way out, about an hour north of here, allowed me to hear the gospel. I got saved. And because of that, now the Lord has called me into ministry. Like that is, blows me away that the Lord would allow me to be a part of that. Jesus searched for people. Jesus searched out every one of you. He is seeking you. And here's my question. If Jesus gave us this model that he would go to far places, hard to reach places, and choose to work and move in the people's lives, how does that affect the way we live? When you show up at the mix, do you show up thinking, how can I be a blessing to people around me? Or do you show up thinking about how I can be blessed? Jesus was not worried about getting blessings from people. He was very much concerned about ministering to the people around me. Tonight, I was walking through the game room, and Lucy, over here on the left side over here, Lucy, you can wave your hand for us. Lucy was walking around with a bag full of M&Ms. And she said, hey, you want an M&M? 
And I was like, what's the occasion? She said, it's just getting people ready for the holidays coming up. Just, you know, here's some candy. I'm like, who does that? Who shows up thinking I'm going to bless somebody with candy tonight? Jason was real upset because it was affecting his cafe revenues tonight, but he's going to be all right, okay? Like, that is being thoughtful about how she's going to live her life to impact the people around her. So here's my question, middle school. Are you looking, when you show up to school, when you show up to church, when you show up with, with your family and your friends, are you showing up thinking, how can I be a blessing to someone else? Like, I would love nothing more than to see Cam walk into his maybe homeschool class and think of who's the person sitting by themselves today. I want to go hang out with that person because I want to minister to them. That's someone who shows up seeking out people, searching for people. I talked about this last Sunday from Connect Weekend. Like, we need a community of people who are looking to minister, looking to bless and looking to encourage and looking to just, just to to be like an encouragement in their life around the people around them. Like, I, that's what I want to see, guys. And that's the model Jesus gives us. He is searching people out, even if it's far and difficult to get to. Not just that he searches people out, but number two, this same thing, people write this down. Jesus doesn't just search for people, but he also shows compassion to people. Jesus showed compassion to people. This is what it says in verse seven and nine. Jesus showed compassion. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And this is, what's, this is what kind of defines this moment about Jesus showing compassion. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. In parentheses, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So this is what you see here in this passage, that Jesus was not going to allow someone's race, someone's social status, someone's paycheck, someone's ACT score. I mean, whatever you want to fill the blank in. Like, they're not going to allow what she's done in the past to affect the way that he treats her. Listen to me right here, students. Jesus did not care about what the person looked like, what they talked like, who their family was, or what they had accomplished, or what they had messed up. He did not care. He was simply going to love the person, no matter where they came from or what they'd done. Isn't that what all of us, our testimony is with Jesus? Every one of you in this room, Jesus says, I don't, I don't care that you've missed it here. I don't care that you don't have the right shoes on today. I don't care if you got the right outfit on today. I don't care that your deodorant's wearing off. I don't care about it, okay? I love you no matter what. Y'all with me? Jesus shows compassion to the Samaritan woman regardless of what she's been through, what she's walked through. And some of you in this room right now are saying, you don't get where I'm coming from. You don't get what I've been through. You don't get what I'm walking through right now. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Like, I don't care about all the beef around you. I don't care about all the struggle there. I don't care about what's messed up. He says, I love you no matter what you're going through. And that's why Jesus says, 
When Esther, he shows compassion, he was willing to engage in a conversation with this woman, no matter the people in the community that would reject her every single day. Jesus was willing to show compassion to the Samaritan woman. I think about this. This is what Jesus does all the time, man. Y'all know the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a tax collector that everyone hated in the community. Zacchaeus would walk through, he would come, on, like, come to people's door and he'd be like, hey, you owe me this much money. Jacking the price up big time. And if they didn't pay him, they were gonna have their whole homes and everything taken away by the government. He, worked, he was a Jew that worked for the Roman citizenship, worked for their whole government side, in amongst the people. And if you were to watch the story of the chosen, you can see that. You can see the hatred of the Jews toward tax collectors. And Zacchaeus would walk through every day and take people's money and take people's money and take people's money. And this man was wealthy. And Jesus comes to town and Zacchaeus being a wee little man climbs up to the top of a sycamore tree. And as Jesus passes by, Jesus walks up right up to the tree where Zacchaeus, at, Zacchaeus is. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Come hither. What does he say afterwards? Come hither. What does he say? You got to sing it. I'm coming to your house today. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Here's what's wild. Here's what's wild. Nah, don't call me that. I mean, it's only my nieces and my nephew can call me that, right? Here's the deal. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was someone who never had people in his home. Zacchaeus wasn't someone who had a lot of friends. He was rejected. He was unpopular. He was on the outskirts. Regardless of how much wealth he had, the people hated him. And Jesus said, I'm going to seek him out and I'm going to show compassion to Zacchaeus and I'm going to go to his home. It's an incredible story about Jesus loving on someone that was not loved by the people around them. And that's exactly what's happening here with the story of the Samaritan woman. She's a lady who is rejected by the community, yet Jesus seeks her out and shows love to her by engaging in a conversation. My question for you middle schoolers, how can you show compassion right now in the season you're in? What are what? Think about it. Think about it right now. How is God asking you to be on the, on the lookout, seeking people out that you can show compassion and love towards? How can he do that in your life? And here's what's unique. Not just he wants you to show love and compassion, but he also wants you to go a little bit deeper. Jesus was all about healing diseases, all about blessing people, encouraging people. But man, Jesus was all about just as much sharing the truth. If you're taking notes, number three, this is simple. Jesus shared the truth. He shared scripture. He shared the gospel. He shared eternal life. Man, he pointed people to the fact that Jesus loves them. They have a real opportunity to live an eternal life with him if they would believe in him. And that's what happens right here in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks, I'm going to read off the screen, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. I'm going to stop right there real quick. They're at the well. They're grabbing water out of the well with a bucket pointed up. And she comes there every day to grab water. And Jesus is saying, everyone who drinks of this water from the well is going to be thirsty again. Right? That makes sense. 
No one's like, like you know, had a cup of water and like, man, I'm done. I'm good. I got 50 years stocked up with that one. You know what I mean? Like we go every day to get water, right? Yeah. He's saying, if you come to the well every day, you're gonna be searching for more water. You're gonna get more and more water. This is what he says right here. Next verse, verse 14. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Let's see. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Do we have verse 14? No? Oh, my bad. Sorry, dog. My bad, Cody. Sorry. All right, I'm going to read it for y'all. So y'all just listen up real good, okay? All right? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will bring him or will, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. My friend Shelton went to Mexico and was sharing the gospel with this guy. He was a very wealthy guy, had a really great life put together, had grown up Catholic his whole life and I believed the kind of Catholic church side. And this is what he said. Shelton shared the gospel with him and encouraged him to read a couple chapters in the New Testament. He said in three days, this man read the entire New Testament. Yeah, read the entire New Testament. Well, I say it, let me, let me go back. I don't wanna say that wrong. Maybe I, I don't wanna, that may be wrong. I think he read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the gospels. He read all the gospels. I'm so sorry, I read all the gospels. Still a lot though, right? Everyone's like, oh, well, it's just the gospels. Okay, yeah, okay. It's a lot, all right? I don't wanna be wrong. He read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is what he said. He said he didn't get saved until he came to this part in the book of John with the Samaritan woman. He came across a spot that said, everyone who drinks of this water will never thirst again. Speaking of the water that Jesus would give them. And it's not saying that he's gonna pour out a cup of like ice water. What he's saying is, well, if you believe in Jesus, you will be eternally satisfied forever. Like if you'll believe in me, you, you will have eternal life. You will not have to search any further. You won't have to keep looking for how to be satisfied or fulfilled in this life. He says, I will be the fulfillment for you. That's the, paint, that's the picture that is painted by Jesus when he talks about that he gives water that, is, that gives eternal life. He said, if you'll believe in me, if you will believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to save me, then you will be saved. That's what Romans 10 talks about, that you, you can be sure and satisfied in Jesus. I searched the entire church to find a Dasani water bottle. Does anybody out there like Dasani? Anybody out there? Aquafina, anybody fans of Aquafina? Okay. Well, I tried to find, Fiji? Okay, all right, that is bougie, all right. It is, yeah, I'm with you. I tried really hard I actually went all the way down to Brother Steve Gaines' office because he used to have Dasani's. I went down and saw Miss Candy. I said, Miss Candy, I need a Dasani water bottle. And she said, we actually swapped Aquafina just recently. And I said, wow, okay, well, I don't have a Dasani bottle anymore. So here's what I'll tell y'all. Dasani water bottle is phenomenal. I love Dasani. But there's something that has been very strange that has changed the game for me. Because if you look at the ingredients of Dasani... You want to come preach? I'll let you do it. Okay. Listen. If you look at the ingredients on there, as young man said in the back, they have salt inside of the water bottle ingredients. Isn't that crazy? You don't really taste it. It's not like it's like 
what? Who got this from the ocean? You know, it's not like that, you know? But there's enough in there, right here, right here. There's enough salt in there so that whenever you take a drink of Dasani water, as good as it is, it leaves you wanting to drink a little bit more. Isn't that crazy? Because like if you were to drink like, if they had like saltine crackers, like it would dry your mouth out. And you're like, I need some water, right? You know what I'm saying? Salty stuff, chips, salty. Some of you are like, this is science, man. It's like we're in biology class or something. Yeah. Yeah, so here's the deal. I can't, they're salting. I'm just kidding. Um, what you see though, is that Dasani, owned by Coke, they have made it a subtle thing in there that you don't really think anything about, but it makes you want to buy more of their product. And let me just tell you this. I'm not just trying to be goofy. I'm not trying to compare Coca-Cola with this at all. That's not what I'm saying. But this is what I do want to say. The world out there, the enemy, will tempt you with temptation all the time. And he's going to say, if you will just do this, you'll be satisfied. If you will tell this, if you'll say this to this person, then that's going to solve all your problems. If you'll lie, you'll, your whole thing will be covered up. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Y'all have all been there. You know what I'm talking about? You lie, and you're like, this will fix it. And it just doesn't work, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You've all been there before where like, you've been tempted to do something you know is wrong, but you're like, man, the, the enemy promises that if you'll just take a drink of this, you'll just be a part of this or take, indulge in this, then you'll be satisfied. You'll be fulfilled. But then what you're left with after the end of it is like, you're, you're not fulfilled. You left, like whatever you bit into feels hollow on the inside because it wasn't fulfilling. Does that make sense? Y'all with me there? Y'all can give me a head nod if you're with me. Like sin never satisfies. If, if sin was satisfying, you would have done it one time. You'd be like, man, I'm good to go, man. That was awesome, you know? No, man, sin is a temptation. When you indulge in it, it's like you get further and further in it, but you're like, I'm never satisfied. I want more. I want to do more of this or be a part of this more, even though you know it's wrong because it never satisfies you. It never does. That's why whenever I was talking just yesterday with some guys, why is it so many times that whenever you look at people who go to college and they start their freshman year, they go and they party it up, man. They're like drinking and they're smoking, all this kind of stuff. And they're doing all this stuff that is very inappropriate and wrong, sinful. And they're like, they think for maybe six months that this is the best thing ever. This is the coolest thing ever. But then six months later, they're left in this spot where they're like, man, this is empty. Like, this is not worth it. Like, I, my life is in shambles right now because this is causing struggles and trouble and all these things because I indulge into the sin side of things. It never satisfies, y'all. Some of y'all are already in middle school, eighth grade, seventh grade, being tempted with things in front of you right now that you're like, man, I know whenever I've done this before, I feel horrible afterwards. Like, it's, it's not worth it. It's not satisfying. It's a hollow thing. What Jesus is saying to the Samaritan woman, listen, you've been indulging your whole life, but let me tell you, I've got something that you don't have to do a searching any further for. This thing will satisfy you. It's eternal life. And if you believe in me, you will be saved. You will be fulfilled. You'll have hope and you'll have joy and 
life will be different. You'll be made a new creation in Christ and the old things will pass away and the new will come. And Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but now Christ is living in you and the life you live in this flesh now, you live by faith in the son of God who loves you and gave himself for you. And you're not walking in, in like defeat, you walk in victory because you're now more than a conqueror in Christ who has redeemed you and saved you. Like, this is the story that you'll be able to tell in your life now because you've given your life to Jesus. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Like, believe in the truth. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Students. <laughs> like, man, Jesus is begging this woman. He's at the spot where he's like, do you not believe that I'm truly the Messiah that's come to save you? Like, you don't have to, like, be embarrassing. We have to walk around alone. You have to be ashamed of your sin. I can fix that for you. I can give you something that will satisfy your heart in ways that nothing this world will ever be able to do. And the woman is so cool. I wish I could have shown the clip for you guys from The Chosen because it paints it so well, but it's, like, super long. I encourage you to look it up on YouTube. The woman... She drops her jar. She went to there, like to the well to get water. She drops her jar at the foot of the well and she takes off sprinting, running into the city because she believed that Jesus was truly the Messiah. And I want to show you what happens. Jesus not only searched people out, not only did he show compassion, not only did he speak truth, but here's what it is. He saw God move in mighty ways. He saw God move in mighty ways ways. John chapter 4, verse 28 and 30. Do we have that on the screen, Cody? 28 and 30? It says this, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town, and she finds the people. Like, I imagine she goes to the marketplace. Everybody's out in the, like, out doing their thing, and she goes, and this is what she tells the people. She, she proclaims this to the people. Verse 29, Come see a man, talking about Jesus, who told me all that I've ever done. Can this be the Christ? She's coming to kind of drop this like, she's sowing seed is what I would say. She's like casting out like a, a fishing line to say like, someone come bite on this because this has changed my life. Who wants to come see this? She says, come and see the Christ who has changed my life. That's what she's proclaiming to the people. And then check it out. This is so cool. Verse, I believe it's, yeah, verse 39 is where we're going. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of who? That's right, the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So he was telling her what's going on in her life. He tells her that he's the Christ. She believes. She comes to the town. She tells everyone in the town. The town is now believing in what, what she is saying. And guess what it says? All right, verse 40. Let's keep going. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked Jesus to stay with them. And he stayed there two more days in Samaria. Pretty incredible. The guy who was supposed to be just passing through because they're not welcome is now they're rolling the red carpet out for this guy. Jesus Christ. And this is what it says, verse 41. And many more believed because of Jesus's testimony. Jesus rolls up to a well. He's seeking this woman out. He shows compassion to her. She believes. She goes and tells the whole community. Next thing you know, the whole city is coming to find Jesus. 
And no longer do they just believe that he is the Messiah because of her testimony, but now because they have their own testimony that Jesus has done in their life. And went from just meeting one girl at the well to seeing an entire church planted in an entire city. Isn't that incredible what God can do? Through one person who is obedient to seek people out, to show compassion, to share the truth, and then to see God move. I remember whenever I was in, um, I talk about the Philippines a lot, and I don't, I don't want to bore y'all with that, but I was in the Philippines, and uh, every day we'd walk through the villages, share the gospel, and I remember, this is what it was like. We were walking, knocking on doors, ayo, my buntag, ayo, my buntag, saying hello to people, and then we'd go in, we'd share the gospel, and finally we came to the end of the road where it kind of forked into two different ways, two different directions, and we could go further to a place that we had no idea where we were going, or we could circle back around and go back to the house. It was about 12.30 in the day, and I was hungry. My friend was with me, and we were going house to house, and I was like, man, should we go down this path and keep sharing the gospel? And I was like, I don't know, man, I'm super hungry. We're like talking through it. And so we asked the lady that was at the house at the corner, and we said, like, what is that direction? And they said, there's another village. There's about seven families in a village, but it's about 30 minutes walking that direction. And honestly, I was hungry, and I was like, man, let's just go back and eat. We'll, we'll figure that out another time. In my mind, that was too far. Too far for me to go, and my stomach did not want to go anywhere else besides back to the kitchen. So what I did that day, I said no to that village, and I walked back to my house, my little casa with my friend. We cooked up some rice, we cooked up some veggies, some meats, and we had lunch. Three weeks go by before I ever thought any more about that village again. Three weeks. To this day, I think I'm the biggest idiot for it. I don't know what I was thinking. We weren't having hardly any fruit in the ministry right here. We were struggling to find people that really wanted to hear more about the gospel. So we're like, well, let's go to that final village at the very end. So Jester leads the pack. We walk out to that village at the very end. We get there. I owe my own boontog. The lady opened the door and she said this, we've been hearing about you going to visit people in our province for the last few weeks. And we were wondering why you weren't coming to our house. Everyone else had heard the gospel in that village except for them. I felt so bad. You know what I mean? You're like, dang, man, I missed it for three weeks. We end up going to that home with the village for five days in a row, and Jester would lead them in worship every night and share biblical stories every single day. Five people in that village gave their life to Jesus, and we got to baptize them at the end of the week. And all I can think about is not just about how awesome God is to move in that village despite our mistakes, but I think about, man, what if I would have went there sooner? You know? I would have had three weeks to disciple people and minister to people. Three weeks to do house church at someone's home. Instead of sitting back on the other side, feeding my belly, you know? I'm gonna be honest. Some of you are in middle school right now. All of you are middle school right now, but some of you are walking through the journey right now where you're like, maybe, maybe your main focus isn't your appetite for, you know, food right now, but maybe it's, being popular, 
being accepted, having the most friends, having the right style, all these things. And that's got your eye and attention. And because of that, you're missing out on seeking people out and seeing God work in people's life because you're not active in the ministry. You're not being a minister of the gospel. But that's the exact model that Jesus gave us was that he was gonna go to the far places, the hard to reach places, the places that were a challenge. He was gonna go to those places and he was gonna show compassion. He was gonna love people and minister to people. And in that, he was gonna share the truth. He was gonna say, hey, this is where you've missed it. This is what the gospel says. This is what Jesus does. This is how he loves you. And eventually he would see people all across the Middle East giving their life to Jesus Christ. I want to be a part of that right here in Memphis. Don't you? In middle school, want to see God do mighty things? I believe it begins with middle schoolers who will step out in faith, seeking the people around them, showing compassion, sharing the truth, and seeing God bless the ministry there. Yeah, man, I'm with you. This is what I'm going to say. Last thing I got for you. Here's the question. I can, I can give you four pretty points that you can write down in your journal, okay? I can put some fun stuff up on a screen for y'all. But man, who cares about that if we're not living it out? Let's not be a ministry that's just hearers of the word, but let's be hearers and doers of the word. How can you this week start doing that? If you're taking notes at all, I would encourage you to write this question. What do I do with John chapter four in my life today? How does this apply to me right now and how can I live it out this week? Every one of y'all should be thinking that question. What do I do now that I've heard that Jesus took the gospel to people? How do I, get a, how do I join in that battle as well? I wanna do one more thing and then we'll wrap up. Last thing I got for you is this. Some in the room tonight might be saying, I don't understand what you're talking about with this whole gospel thing and Jesus thing. First time here, or maybe this is your second time here. Maybe you've been here for a while. I want you to know Jesus loves you so much. He sees you and he wants to, he wants to change your life. I'm not saying he wants to give you Lamborghinis and $100 bills every time you walk out the door. That's not what I'm saying. Right here, right here. What I'm saying is Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you joy. He wants to save you. He wants to take all those old desires in your heart that you say, I don't want to do these things. I don't like these things. He wants to pull those out and replace them with the fruit of the Spirit, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He wants to fill your life with those kind of things. You can watch and see how God works in your life if you'll give life to the Lord. I want to take a moment. Everybody bow your head. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Everybody can bow your eyes real quick. Or bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. If there's someone in the room today who says, Corey, for the first time, I want to know more about what this means to follow Jesus. I want to, I want to talk to someone about what it looks like to, for the first time to follow Jesus. And as everyone's got their eyes closed and head bowed, as everyone's got their head bowed, eyes closed, I want to ask you a favor. If you want to talk more about what it means to follow Jesus, maybe you want to talk more about what it means to become a Christian, to be someone who lives out that kind of walk with the Lord, 
I want you to do me a favor. While everyone's got their eyes closed, head bowed. I want you to look up at me real quick. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Thank you. You can keep looking at me if you're one that wants to give life to the Lord. Maybe you'll talk more about that. For the first time, if you want to talk to somebody about what it means to follow Jesus, you can look up at me. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to connect you with one of our staff and leaders in the back. I see you right there. Thank you for looking at me. I appreciate that. Yeah? 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 I see a couple people in the room with us right now. What about in the back? Anybody else wanting to touch base? If I'm not seeing you, man, get my attention. I want to see you real quick. Everyone keep your head bowed, eyes closed. I don't want anybody looking around unless you're wanting to talk more about who Jesus is and how he can change your life. If you want to talk to somebody, now I want you to look at me. All right. Everyone, please keep your head bowed real quick for me. For my, for my three that I talked to just now, I want you to do me a favor. I want to walk to the back with y'all. Is that okay? Is that all right? I'll walk out with y'all. We can go talk to some more leaders in the back. I'll tell you when to move, not yet. Um, to all the rest of you in the room real quick, look at me. What you just told me is two things. Either you're already a believer, you're already a follower of Jesus, or you're still working through it. One, if you're already a believer, then let me ask you two things tonight. Number one, I want you to live out what we talked about. I want you to seek people out. I want you to come to the mix and think about how you can serve and minister to people. I want you to go to your school and think about that. The gospel is not about building you a kingdom. The gospel is about extending God's kingdom, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Yeah? So live that out. Number two for my people in the room that are believers. Number two, man, the whole time during worship earlier, y'all were just chit-chatting and kicking it, man. Do y'all not realize who we're singing to? You're not singing to these guys or me or anyone else. You're singing to the God of the universe. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Can we not show some respect to what we're doing there? Sometimes whenever we open the doors and go to the restroom, whenever worship, it's like when we stand to worship, everybody's like, we're going to the restroom. Guys, man, we're better than that. This is the Lord of all creation. If y'all are not excited about this, why do I expect the world to be excited about that? You with me? When we get up to sing, man, lift your hands or lift your voices or sit in solitude, but just let's sing praise the Lord with worship here. My eighth graders, lead out for me, guys. Be all in. For those in the room who would say to me, Corey, I'm wrestling through this whole Christianity thing and what it looks like to even follow God. And the reason I didn't look up to you, talk to you about more about this, because like, I'm not even there yet. I want you to know right now, please keep coming. This is a safe place. Someone talked to me just the other day. They said, how do I know that this whole Jesus thing is real? That's a good question. You ought to be asking that question. And I hope you land at the spot where you say, just like the Samaritan woman, he truly is the Messiah. He truly is the one who can take away my sin. He truly is the God of all creation.